a young perspective on hot-button issues around the world. This is The Hub. Hello and welcome to The Hub on CGTN. I'm Wang Guanin Xi'an, the ancient Chinese capital and the starting point of the historic Silk Road. Now, it appears only fitting that the China Central Asia Summit, the first of its kind, is taking place here in the northwestern Chinese city. On the sidelines of the summit, we caught up with Vladimir Nolov, the former Secretary General of the Shanghai Cooperation Organization. He's also the former Minister of Foreign Affairs of Uzbekistan. Our conversation began with the China Central Asia Summit. Minister Nolov, welcome to the Hub on CGTN. It's an honor to have you with us. Thank you. Minister Nolov, let's talk about this China Central Asia Summit, uh, the first of its kind. What concrete outcomes are you expecting from this summit? Uh, uh, thank you very much for your questions and initiative to organize this interview. I'm confident that the forthcoming summit in China with the five Central Asian countries will be great significance for the development and deepening of relations between our countries. It will be the first high-level collective dialogue in more than 30 years of cooperation between leaders of China and Central Asia states reflecting the high level of political trust and strategic partnership between the parties. I'm convinced that the summit will further strengthen regional cooperation because of mutual respect, equality, and mutual benefit which we have between our relationship. The leaders of our countries will strive to build a common destiny community of China and Central Asia that will serve the interests of all countries in the region and uh, contribute to peace and prosperity on the Euro-Asian continent. So Minister Nolov, what do you expect this China Central Asia mechanism to do in terms of security and peace, really to enhance security and peace in the region? The China Central Asian mechanism is a new platform for dialogue and cooperation between the countries of the region and China. It promotes uh, friendship and trust between peoples, enhance practical cooperation under the Belt and Road Initiative and jointly addresses security threats and challenges. In addition, the China-Central Asia format promotes peace and security not only in the region, but also globally. The member states of this format adhere to the principles of peaceful coexistence, cooperation and multilateralism, support political resolution of conflicts, fight against terrorism, extremism, and trafficking, drug trafficking, as well as environmental protection, advocate respect for sovereignty, territorial integrity, and interests of other countries to uh, strive to build an open, inclusive, and transparent regional order based on equality and mutual benefit. Minister Nolov, um, if I can ask a follow-up question regarding uh, the China-Central Asia mechanism, you know, there, there have been a whole lot of talks about the Chinese influence in Central Asia these days. For example, a popular book um, recently reads that Sinostan, China's inadvertent empire, basically holding a critical view towards the Chinese influence in Central Asia, you know, as if China is taking over the Central Asia uh, sphere of influence uh, in terms of culture and economic influence. Uh, how would you characterize the Chinese influence in Central Asia? 
So I, I can, yes, such discourse, we uh, more now hear about it, but at the same time, uh, the, uh, from five Central Asian countries, three of them uh, the men, uh, have a common border with the China. This, uh, uh, we have this such influence more than uh, 2,000 years from time of Great Silk Road. And if we're looking to the modern time, uh, this uh, um, uh, partnership based, as I mentioned it, on the principle of uh, mutual uh, benefits, mutual trust, and mutual respect. And uh, Uzbekistan, uh, as a key participant uh, in the Central Asia plus PRC format, uh, uh, play important role in strengthening this cooperation. And uh, that's why when we hear such discourse, certainly we should look to the result of this cooperation. If we're looking to the data uh, of the China now is uh, leading our trade partner, the last, uh, the last day it was uh, $9 billion uh, cooperation between two other countries. If we take the Central Asia in whole, it is uh, our trade turnover last year rise at 49 percent. It was uh, it came to 70 billion dollar uh, and more than 70 billion dollar. That's why this cooperation is mutually beneficial. Very true. Um, bilateral trade, meaning China and Central Asian trade, have been growing at double digit. We know this CKU or China. Kyrgyzstan Uzbekistan Railway that has a great potential that was first proposed back in the 1990s. Uh, and if completed, it will be one of the shortest routes linking China and Western Europe. Uh, it has had uh, quite a bit of challenges. Uh, what is the latest regarding that? And what is your view regarding this railway? Uh, we look uh, uh, interested for developing uh, more transport routes for having access to world seaports and at the same time to the markets of our neighboring countries and China is our neighbor. That's why many 20 years, Uzbekistan uh, favored and uh, supported idea for, for construction railroad, China, Kyrgyzstan, Uzbekistan, because it will shortest way, as I told you, 300 kilometers will be, uh, today is between Uzbekistan and China. And that, so we can deliver our goods so quick to the Chinese market and at the same time, China can transport their goods to the European markets and Middle Eastern countries through these transport corridors, and uh, it will be 900 kilometers shorter, and eight days it will take. And now is uh, feasibility starting in the way of finishing, and I think that's uh, in the uh, from the second half of this year, construction of this railroad will begin. We are sure that this construction will be for benefit of China and Central Asian countries. And uh, we are sure that after construction of this uh, railroad, uh, we will have more access to the Chinese market or rising our trade turnover. This transport uh, communication playing important role. And in the Samarkand Soviet special was made decision for uh, developing transport interconnectivity between ACO member states. So President Mirzi Yoyev um, of Uzbekistan said that prioritizing a good neighborliness, uh, namely developing and advancing relations with China, is a foreign policy priority for Uzbekistan. Uh, how do you see that principle translating into action and into actual policymaking? And how would you characterize the current state of China-Uzbekistan relations? Uh, 
Uzbekistan and China have been uh, successfully building bilateral mutually beneficial cooperation, uh, which has acquired a dynamic and multidimensional and uh, long-term character owing uh, to the efforts of the two leaders. Uh, relation between Uzbekistan and China have reached a high level of interaction, uh, which the comprehensive, uh, while the comprehensive strategic partnership has been enhancing economic ties in the new area. Since 2011, most favorite nation treatment has been established in mutual trade. In 2022, trade turnover between Uzbekistan and China for the first time, as I said, you reached 9 billion, having in, uh, in, uh, increased by 20% compared to 21. In the first quarter of this year, China became Uzbekistan's main trade partner with the uh, total trade volume of 2.3 billion US dollars. Special attention is paid to uh, development of investment cooperation between the two countries. The total volume uh, of absorbed Chinese investment for last year amounted to about 11 billion uh, US dollars, of which more than 2 billion only the last year. And uh, but at the same time, we're organizing the cultural days of Chinese cultural days in our uh, countries at the same time, film festival of Chinese, the same in China is uh, uh, giving more attention to Uzbek culture and traditions. So Minister Nolov, on the Belt and Road initiatives that was first conceived 10 years ago by President Xi Jinping, he proposed this idea in Astana, Kazakhstan. Um, 10 years on, the jury might still be out about the utility of this mechanism, but how do you look at the merits of the Belt and Road Initiative. For economic cooperation after implementing this initiative from uh, 2013 to, uh, to till 2022, uh, trade in goods between China and countries along the Belt and Road has doubled from over one uh, trillion US dollar to over uh, two trillion uh, with an average annual uh, growth rate of eight uh, percent. At the same time, uh, bi bilateral investment between China and countries along this route amounted to more than 270 billion. And uh, according to the World Bank expert, the joint construction of the Belt and Road will leave some 8 million people out of extreme uh, poetry and 32 million people out of moderate poetry in countries along the routes. I think this important figures which is showing how the countries along this uh, one belt one route benefiting uh, from cooperation with china and implementing this important project the asian uh, infrastructure investment bank the silk road fund the green silk road and the digital silk road have been established and works is uh, underway to develop the health silk road uh, uh, and uh, green energy, green infrastructure, and green finance. In all these projects, Uzbekistan and Central Asian countries have great interest for fully participate for implementing this project in our regions too. These are uh, the freight route has evolved into a key commerce corridor between Europe and China via Central Asia, uh, as well as an artery of Belt and Road in uh, uh, initiative collaboration. As I mentioned before, it is uh, 100, only last year, 
65,000 voyages had been completed through Central Asia and mostly through Kazakhstan with over 150 million metric tons of commodities worth of 300 billion moved over, over these routes. The Railway Express has uh, removed the bottlenecks in cross-border uh, trade and uh, unlocked the potential for economic growth in the region that no one had foreseen. The China Central Asia Summit uh, will give new impetus to their high quality construction of the Belt and Road. We are sure in this, as I mentioned it uh, to you about construction, this China-Kyrgyzstan-Uzbekistan uh, Railroad, which, which will give the big impetus and it will be real evidence of the uh, usefulness of this, this initiative for benefit of our people. When we're talking about this uh, One Belt, One Road, we should not forget about the focus of China in framework of uh, format Central Asia plus China to green economy. This important uh, green energy now is alternative energy is uh, began is more uh, developed in Central Asian countries and Uzbekistan and Chinese company today is involved too in this project for the construction solar power and wind energy uh, uh, in our country. That's why uh, um, uh, improving ecology became one of the important in this area. Why? Because we share the same uh, mountain, Tenshan. The Tenshan, the uh, this ice in Tenshan now melting. It is because Central Asian countries uh, became more uh, under the negative impact of climate change and rise their temperature brought to reducing the number of ice on the uh, mountain area as we have Tanshan and uh, Pamir. With two on the rivers, Amudaria and Sudaria supplying water to our nation. But at the same time, uh, we see as a uh, desertification and reduce of water and at the same time the rise of population. Today in Central Asia, 78 million population. But in 2010, the population will be 110 million. That's why it is very serious issues. And the new technology, water, uh, uh, rational using of water uh, in the agricultural area, which China now implementing, is very important for us. I myself in Sindao visited the center for rising the rice in the salted land area. And the impressive technology, I, uh, I can say, and we focus it on using this technology for rising productivity and, uh, and reducing the water supply in agricultural area, and at the same time improve ecology in our country. Minister Nolov, uh, thank you so much for your time uh, and your insight. Our greetings from Xi'an, and um, thank you for everything. Thank you. That was my conversation with former Foreign Minister Nolov. Now coming up on The Hub, we visit the Nazarbayev University in Astana, Kazakhstan, and caught up with the president of the university. We talked about the fact that the idea of the Belt and Road Initiative was first conceived right there in Nazarbayev University 10 years ago. Focus, focus on what's relevant in China and the world. Bridge the, bridge the gap between what you know and what you want to know. This is The Hub. Ten years ago, it was in the hall behind me here in Nazarbayev University where the Belt and Road Initiative was first proposed by Chinese President Xi Jinping. 
10 years on, this program has generated a lot of headlines and debate around the world. Now, today we will be talking to someone who was in the audience 10 years ago and ask him what he thinks about BRI. President Katsu, thank you for welcoming us and our crew to your beautiful university. You just told me that it's a new university. Maybe you can begin by telling us a bit about your work and this university. Well, uh, Mr. Wang, thank you for having me. Um, and I'm delighted to be able to see you in our university, host you here. Our university this year in summer, in June, will be 13 years old. Now today we have in the US terminology seven schools plus one foundation program. We have a school of mining and geology to respond to the you know, demand coming from the hydrocarbon resources here. And then we have at the graduate school level uh, for business, public policy, education, as well as also medical schools and so on. So we are now a general university. We have today about 6,800 students, probably around 7,000 graduates. Our student body is pretty much balanced, half and half, male, female, even in the STEM discipline, system yes. science technology. Yes. No? So, um, and we get the best high school graduates here. And so, unless we do something terribly wrong, hopefully the products are also very good. On September the 7th, 2013, the president of Nazarbayev University, Shigeo Katsu, accompanied President Xi and introduced him to the audience in the hall. Oh, wow. We conveyed an honorary professor title to President Xi Jinping with his official. Yeah. And I'm standing on this side. <laughs> yeah. What do you think of this importance of the speech? We were told that there's going to be an important policy speech that he will deliver. And then uh, later in Indonesia, he delivered the speech on the maritime portion. Yeah. So then obviously we were able to put it together as a Belt and Road Initiative. And so, so we were in a way uh, fortunate to have been there and uh, we witnessed part of the history. In the course of 10 years of development, the Belt and Road Initiative has helped alleviate poverty in many regions and kickstart economic growth by facilitating trade and creating jobs. The BRI was first proposed by China, but it has become a mega project that has ripple effects around the world. So what went through your mind when you first heard about the conception? It was only a conception back then, of course of the Belt and Road Initiative, building infrastructures across Asia, you know, addressing the, the deficit of infrastructure. Actually, the most sort of important part that sticks with me was that he made reference, because it was sort of the Belt concept started, to link basically 700 million people and plus, if you, if you actually add also this, you know, India and the South, South Asian part, basically connect three billion people. That was something, you know. And uh, you started to feel, wow, that's, a, that's going to be a large-scale undertaking. Yeah. What do you think of the Belt and Road Initiative now that we have been 10 years into this uh, initiative? It, it went from a conception to uh, numerous projects uh, across Eurasia, even in Africa and Latin America. Uh, what do you think of it? How do you look at the merits of it? I think um, overall, it was a bold uh, initiative 
to refocus the international development community also on the importance of infrastructure. Infrastructure is a means for connectivity and building up the, the ways how goods can be transported from one side to the other and build you know, economic communities along the way. I think this, this concept still is very valid. Um, and a lot of interesting projects they were for launch. What other impressions has President Xi made on you, particularly during his visit uh, 10 years ago? That was in his earlier days yes, as the Chinese he president. He visited Central Asia, he started off with Kazakhstan. Um, and you could tell how much, uh, because of the policy speech too, but uh, he really wanted to uh, start off his old uh, initiative on the right foot, obviously, also for him. He was very attentive when I explained what this university is about and so on. He also made sure to convey to the audience, <laughs> our students and colleagues and so, um, to make sure that he invited. He invited actually 200 of our students and, and colleagues to China the following year. So in summer 2014, they all went and uh, they were welcomed so nicely, I think. And uh, he also announced that then, uh, you know, in terms of also ensuring, uh, you know, engagement, human engagement exchange, uh, he said that over the next five years, up to 10,000 researchers and, you know, academics and others would be invited from Central Asia from, to China. What do you think the BRI has done to academic exchange, to uh, research and uh, scholarly exchange between the two countries mm -hmm. and beyond? I think um, BRI as a concept readily spread out to, to also academic and intellectual endeavors. And I would maybe emphasize two initiatives. One is sort of the Silk Road Alliance of Universities, which I think today brings together about 150 or so universities all the way from the Eastern Seaboard all the way to Western Europe uh, and UK, and which has really started to have a very vibrant exchange, in particular also of cultural dimensions and centered around the Silk Road theme. I think on the Chinese side, it's the Xi'an uh, Jiaotong that has been very much at the center. Uh, here we have been quite active in Central Asia. It goes all the way to Liverpool University and so on. So that is one part. And the other initiative is, there is something called the Asian Universities Alliance. And this, you know, initiative brings together 15 top Asian universities. Again, it was uh, largely thanks to Tsinghua University that took, you know, the baton and, and initiated and brought us yeah, all together. The Chima, uh, flag over yes, there. <laughs> you see. So Asian Universities Alliance, you know, and you saw there the flag with all the names of top universities. So this, so these are all part of the the BRI. It, it starts to put Asian universities on the map and uh, shows the 
the richness, the depth, the broad coverage of Asian academic institutions as well as institutions and research. So. And talking about the BRI, uh, this conception of building a grain BRI has been uh, in place, has been much talked about. Um, how do you look at its progress? I mean, building a grain BRI along uh, the countries in Eurasia and beyond. And there are uh, good sort of models of what to do when one looks for sustainability, uh, starting with making sure that you have proper environmental and social assessments, bring in the uh, communities, the beneficiaries into the debate quickly and so on, as opposed to just doing a project in a way that's parachuted down, no? and, so, uh, and where then ownership issues of the beneficiaries may, may not come very quickly. And so when we talk about sustainability, obviously it's not to sustain the benefits of the project or investments. It also has to be done in a manner that, you know, we all talk about uh, energy transition, you know, future carbon free world and so on and so on. So all these dimensions uh, increasingly will have to be incorporated into also infrastructure projects and all kinds of construction projects. So uh, continuously, I think BRI can play a very, very important role there. China has developed, you know, cutting edge technology in many of these areas. So I certainly look forward so that a lot of the cutting edge technology is actually imported in the, in, into these uh, project proposals so that everybody can benefit. There have been accusations, like you said, uh, from mostly Western policymakers and Western media saying the BRI is dead trap. Uh, they're painting the BRI with a simplistic um, brush. Um, how do you look at that sentiment of, you know, um, I would say, if not trashing the BRI, but painting it uh, in a very simplistic narrative? As you rightly say, uh, BRI is so multifaceted. And it is relatively easy just to take one part and put the you know, focus just on those parts. Uh, I think one has to look at BRI as a whole and be a little bit more uh, fairer in its overall assessment there. Yes, there may be some negative examples, but there are also positive examples and we, we have to look at it together. Thank you so much, President Kazu. That will do it for this edition of The Hub on CGTN. I'm Wang Guanlin Xi on China. I'll see you again next time.